0: Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. It is so good uh, to be with you today. If you're watching this morning, if you're catching up later this evening, if you're in your car headed to work this week, we are so glad that you've chosen to join with us. If we've never met before, my name's Andy, and I'm part of the team here at the Vineyard. I want to take just a couple of minutes before we dive into the scriptures today to talk about our Christmas plans uh, to let you know that three, two, one, uh, starting today, is our Advent reading and reflection. So, if you're getting three, two, one, be prepared to be fully immersed in the Christmas spirit and mood uh, with that. But many of you will know that it was our intention to be back in this space worshiping together on Sundays from next week. Uh, you will be aware that. Um, The government have uh, changed what we're doing right now, and so we will be unable to be back here on uh, the 6th as we had intended. So we're going to continue with House Church next week on the 6th and the following week on the 13th. And uh, we would then love to invite you back to the venue on Sunday, the 20th of December. James and Michael and their team have been working really hard over the last month uh, to produce a Christmas carol service that we're going to be showing here in the venue at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on the 20th of December. You will need to register for those, and that uh, registration for those is now live, so you can go onto the website and get a spot on the 4th or, uh, at, sorry, <laughs> on the 20th at 4 or at 6 uh, the Cal service will be available for you to watch at home on YouTube uh, if you need to or want to as well. Um. On Christmas morning, then, we are planning to have a family Zoom call at, I think it's at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. on Christmas morning, the 25th, so uh, you can register for that. We'll send you details how to do that. That's going to be a simple kind of 10 minutes of getting together. Uh, we'll pray. James will probably lead us in a carol in our homes. In the midst of the chaos and joy of Christmas morning, just a moment to say hi. We see each other and to bless each other, and then on um, The 27th of December, we will be back here uh, Sunday morning at half past 10 um, to uh, worship together. So, hopefully, that all makes loads of sense. There will be lots of uh, information in uh, emails and all that sort of stuff, uh, so you can pay attention to that to keep you up to date. We are finishing uh, the book of Matthew for 2020 this morning, so um, this seems like it has gone on forever, and truthfully, I've absolutely loved it this year, Uh, but we're going to finish in Matthew 15 this morning, and then we'll take a break through the rest of December and then jump back into the book of Matthew in uh, January. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 15 this morning. It's a fairly lengthy passage. It might help you to read along. Matthew 15, verses 1 through to 20. And um, this is the word of God. Come Holy Spirit. Then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and mother, And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained for me is given to God. He need not honor his father, so for the sake of your tradition, you may avoid the word of God. You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men." But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God who speaks, who draws near to us. And Lord, in this moment, we confess we need your voice in our lives. Come Holy Spirit, speak to us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. This is a fairly mad passage And there are actually some scholars that argue that this is one of the most important texts in the entire gospel. I don't know about you, but that seems a little bit mad. There's an argument about adherence to religious tradition and then a discussion about ceremonial cleanliness. Surely, if you were going to pick the key texts in the gospel of Matthew, Um, you would maybe be drawn to something like Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, maybe Matthew 22, the great commandment to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Surely the account of the passion of Jesus in Matthew 27, or the great commission of Matthew 28, those would be the absolute foundational and fundamental texts that we should reach to, and yet there are theologians that argue what Jesus is unpacking and exposing here in this obscure argument is absolutely critical and crucial for us to understand what it means to live into the story unfolding around us of the inbreaking kingdom of God. The question really at the center of this passage, the question beneath all the questions that are flying around, the question behind the accusation and the argument, the question that Jesus is really getting at in this passage is what does a life that is pleasing to God look like or do? What is a life that is attempting to please God look like? If you care about pleasing God, there is perhaps no more important question in your life. Like if actually living a life that is pleasing to God is important to you, then figuring out what does that kind of life look like is really, really important. I was with a dear lady from our church a number of weeks ago, uh, chatting through some things uh, that were going on in her life. And she said something to me in the conversation that I haven't heard for years She was speaking of her approach to parenting, and her children are all adults now, and she said this, and I wrote it down when she left because I just was so struck by it. She said, I raise my children with two goals, that in their lives, they would respect God and respect themselves. It was like, I don't know if you ever uh, hear a melody or a song that you haven't heard for years, and instantly you get kind of transported back to maybe a season or a time in your life when that song was important or you first heard it. When she said those words, it was like I was transported truthfully back in time. The, the words themselves were spoken with an air of reverence and grace and Beauty. I raised my children with two goals that in their lives they would respect God and respect themselves. It struck me when was the last time I heard anyone say anything about respecting God? It sounds like a dated way to speak. I can hear my own grandmother in that similar tone chastising me for going to church in a pair of jeans. No respect. I I remember walking in the foothills of the French Alps with my dad whenever I was about 11 or 12. And we, we came across this really old, beautiful, beautiful old stone chapel. And it was open and we opened the door and we went to walk in. And as we kind of bent down to get under the kind of stone head of the door, and we came into this like pristine, beautiful, quiet little chapel, as we got in, my dad turned to me and he flicked the cap that I was wearing off my head. And uh, I remember protesting. I was like, what are you doing? And in the way that only fathers kind of can, he, he just really gently looked at me and said, shh. There, there was something about the space that we were standing in and his posture towards it that compelled me to respect it whenever I noticed. It's really important you understand what I'm trying to get at perhaps here in this moment. I'm not advocating a return to suits on Sundays. I would truthfully prefer it if James wouldn't wear a cap whenever he was leading worship, but that's got way more to do with tradition than truth. But I am, I am concerned for all the progress we've made as a culture. We've left some things and some ideas behind. We live in an age that is very informal. The idea of traditional manners and respects, respect, they're, they're kind of old school and dated and even to be kind of sneered at at times, but one of the things I think we truly have lost and we're worse off for it is a respect for God and the things of God. I'm concerned that the gospel has been subtly twisted to now be all about us, that God exists to supply your destiny that God exists to solve your problems, that God exists to make your life easier. Brothers and sisters, God exists to be worshipped. He exists to be worshipped. And there's something that has crept into our idea of what that is all about, where we have removed God from the throne and subtly placed ourselves there. I was on a Zoom call this week with a guy who's planting churches in uh, the far east, working largely with the persecuted church. And somebody in the call asked him, what do you notice the biggest difference between the church in the west and the church in the east is? And he said this, he said, our brothers and sisters in the east understand their life is supposed to have struggle in it. Following Jesus is supposed to have struggle and sacrifice and even pain in it. And it's funny, in my pastoral work, often when people are going through hard things, their first question is, what have I done wrong? I thought God was speaking to me about something, and then I leaned into it, and then it got really hard. That's part of the story. It's part of what it means to follow Jesus. I think we need a fresh revelation of the holiness and the glory of God. One of the things that I think the Holy Spirit is doing in the church at this time is calling us back to a deeper reverence, respect, and love for God in all of His holiness, beauty, and wonder. When we see the one who spoke into nothing and created life, we can't help but ask the question, how can I please you? The bait the debate in this passage here in Matthew is all about what's the right answer to that question. It's interesting. That question was a firmly assumed question that everybody in life should be asking, how the times have changed. But in this context, everybody was asking that question, what does a life that is pleasing to God look like? What does God require of me? The religious leaders have traveled miles to confront Jesus on this topic, because they have heard that his followers are not respecting their traditions, and therefore God. They have an argument that we read in verses 3 to 9, and their, their argument's pretty technical, and it's all about the Levitical laws and the traditional interpretations and additions to those texts, which of course Jesus' disciples have not adhered to. But there's a problem because the religious leaders are actually using their traditions to ignore things that God has spoken directly to them about. They're using their traditions to ignore things that God has spoken directly and clearly to them about. I wonder, I wonder where we do the same. It's so easy as we read the gospels to see the Pharisees as the bad guys, right? Like they're like the boogeymen, and we all rightly think, Jeepers, we never want to be like those. And the reality is, we all have pharisaical tendencies and practices and beliefs and thoughts in our lives. We're hypocrites if we think we don't. Jesus teaches us, clearly directs us to love our enemies, to bless those who hate us. This little part of the world has been steeped in the scriptures for decades. And we find ourselves in 2020 continuing to live in a hugely divided society. Of course, we are not sectarian, right? But how many meaningful friendships have you with people from the other side? Where do our traditions allow us to hide from the direct commands of God in our lives? Jesus, from verse 10 to 20, says some things that are utterly revolutionary if you understand what's going on. He's talking about what it is that actually causes our lives to be separated from God and therefore to not be pleasing to Him. It's not the absence of a suit on Sunday. It's not whether we kick a ball around on a certain day. Jesus says to God, all that matters is our hearts. To God, all that matters is our hearts. Verse 18, he says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone to God, our hearts matter more than anything else. We typically see actions. We look at what people do, maybe think about what we do ourselves, but God is always looking deeper than that. What's going on in our hearts? Many of us, including me, have struggled with the absence of corporate worship in this building on Sundays, but God wants something deeper than our ability to show up in a room and get caught up or carried away with something that everyone else is doing in that moment. He wants our hearts. Listen to the words of Archbishop William Temple. He said, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to to devote the will to the purpose of God. It's time, friends, for us to allow the Holy Spirit to do some deep work in our hearts where our love for God and our expression of that love is neither dependent upon a service or a song, but rather is a spontaneous reaction to the revelation and experience of the love of God who looked at you and said, I would rather die than live without you. Jesus quotes Isaiah in his confronting chastisement of the Pharisees. He said, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. This text has terrified me this week. I have found myself on my knees at home pleading for the Lord to do something in my life that would make this not true for me that I can worship when there's a building with hundreds of other people doing the same, but in the quietness and the stillness of my own home, I just find that hard. That I have no idea what it means to actually be on my own with Jesus. What's really, what's really going on in our hearts? You see, when we see God, When we see Jesus, it is impossible for our hearts not to be broken and moved. Sure, our vision and our practice gets all sorts of cloudiness in it as we think about the Bible readings we should be doing and the good deeds that we should be caught up in. But the reality is we are supposed to open ourselves up daily to a revelation and an experience of the love, the beauty, and the wonder of the person of Jesus who came and lived the most incredible life for our sake, that we may come alive in the worship of God. During our first corporate prayer prayer gathering of 2020. Susan Brown shared a word in tongues for us it was the first time that had ever happened in the eight years of Lagan Valley Vineyard that someone had brought a corporate word in tongues. And if you know the teaching of the scriptures, when someone does that, we're supposed to wait for an interpretation. And we were gathering together to intercede um, for the world and all that was kind of going on. And as she brought her word and we waited for an interpretation, the interpretation was then brought, and it was a really simple word. God says you are mighty warriors. It was interesting in that moment, I looked at the room after the interpretation was brought and I said, just raise your hand if you feel like a mighty warrior. I think there might've been two people of all those who were gathered who raised their hand. I thought, geez, that just sounds exactly like the Lord that he speaks to who he sees, and he says that we are, even when our own vision and confidence in ourselves is so far from that thing. Do you remember Gideon? He's hiding from his enemies, and the angel of the Lord shows up and says, greetings, mighty warrior. He's like, me, I'm actually hiding. I'm terrified. And God said he was a mighty warrior. It's so interesting to me that at the beginning of 2020, God spoke to us as a community and said, you are mighty warriors. Last Wednesday night, it was our last corporate prayer gathering of the year, and we had another corporate word brought in tongues. And it was again interpreted. Let me read you some of the interpretation. This is the bit of a paraphrase of what the interpretation was. The Lord was saying that He's calling each of us by name. He's calling us to come to Him, to come into His presence that is available to each of us. He's inviting us to come and to be with Him, to be with Him on our own, to shake off our dependence on songs and services and to learn to be with Him because as we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. We are going to include the recording of that from Wednesday night in today's 321 email, so you'll be able to listen to that yourselves. Like I said, in the eight-year history of church, we have had two corporate words in tongues, one at the start of 2020 and one at the end of 2020. It is not lost on me the year that we have had And our year began with our Father God proclaiming over us that we are mighty warriors. And so many of you have been just that this year. You faced some of the hardest and darkest days of your lives, and you have shone brightly in the midst of it. You have not given up You have prayed like you have never prayed before. You have given sacrificially and generously. You have showed up again and again and again. And you have learned how to meet with Jesus in the secret and quiet place where no one else is there. And rightly, you're exhausted. And now at the end of this year, the Lord has spoken to us again. And he says, come away with me. Bring your heart to me and I will restore your soul. God longs for our hearts, not our religious activity, not our broken traditions. He longs for our hearts. And if you find yourself in this moment weary and broken and exhausted, respond to His invitation to come away with Him, to draw near to Him so that He can draw near to you and restore your very soul. This is not a public work. It's a private work. It is a hard work that can only be done in secret between you and the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of person who knows how to let the Lord Jesus have access to my heart, not just my mind, not just my religious activity, but my heart. Because that's all that matters to Him and that is all that's required to live a life that is pleasing to God. I'm going to invite the band to come as we uh, respond Why don't you just where you are, take a moment, take a deep breath, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Lord, we welcome you. We welcome you in our lives again. It might be helpful for you to just place your hand over your heart. Lord, we confess our utter dependence upon you. Forgive us when we have made our life with you about our own comfort or about songs or services. That right now in this moment, we confess our desperate hunger for you. We come to you, Lord, because we need you. And we come to you stripped bare with nothing to offer but our hearts. Help us to worship you. Help us to honor you. Help us to love you with the thing that matters most. Come now follow us freshly we pray to the glory of the risen Lord Jesus in whose name we pray